Reed's Ranch is proud to partner with Marcos Garza and the Garza Law Firm. It's the holiday season. Uh, going to a holiday party tonight, actually. Going to be doing some drinking. We plan on Ubering, but if you find yourself in any trouble this holiday season, keep one name in mind, Marcos Garza and the Garza Law Firm. Before you say guilty, say Garza. You hear me say it all the time. Marcos and his team are the premier East Tennessee DUI defense, criminal defense, and personal injury lawyer, GarzaLaw.com. 865-540-8300. The answer calls 24-7, 365. Uh, make smart decisions this holiday season, but if you find yourself needing a, a lawyer, we recommend Marcos Garza. All right, let's get straight to the episode. This is going to be more of a basketball-centric episode. Seth Hughes is out Christmas shopping. Will Warren's going to be talking to us about the Gonzaga game tomorrow Uh, Tennessee basketball. We'll have a little bit of offensive coordinator stuff, but uh, all right, let's get to it. I mean, this is the last stand. You're listening to the unfiltered. Well, I hate to say I told you so. There's nothing to be done besides to get on Twitter and tweet to all my dumbass followers. (laughs) But I told you so. Hey, I told you so. The controversial. He's the dumbass. He can't do math. He's an idiot. He gets his hair cut at Walmart. Look at that shitty haircut. The realest podcast in the Southeast. Let the dogs loose. Let the goons be goons. 11 in a row. 11 in a row. 11 in a row. Enough. 38 in a row. As in 38 on this point when we were whipping that ass. Ranch gang, stand up. The holy war is upon us. Welcome to Reed's Ranch, the podcast with Seth Hughes. Like, just quit acting like this is any fun at all. Another edition of Reed's Ranch, Saturday, December 8th. Seth Hughes is busy shopping. Basketball tomorrow as Tennessee takes on the number one team in the country. I thought it would be a good time to talk with Will Warren. He has his patron-only preview of Gonzaga up on uh, the Patreon right now, patreon.com slash Reed's Ranch. Just imagine a hype man saying exclusive. Exclusive! Exclusive! That was like a horn. Yeah, you need the the horn. (laughs) You know how this works. I'm going to tell you the new patrons. You tell them that you love them, Will Warren, Mm -hmm. and your best Seth Hughes impression, okay? Okay, let's go. Can you handle that? We got a new $5 patron, Christopher Foster Palmer. Love you, Christopher. Jordan Scott. Love you, Jordan. Grant Bay- uh, Blaylock. Excuse me, Grant. Blaylock, right? Blaylock, yeah. Grant. Love you, love you Grant. Uh, Aaron Edmondson up his from two to five. Aaron is a king. We love you, Aaron. Chase Moore edited his up to five. Chase, we love you. Grant Knox, a new $20 patron. King. Wah, 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 wah. King. That's the horn. We stand. That's the horn. Yes. I uh, appreciate it. We had a listener give me three Titans tickets to give away. I actually gave those away to some uh, to some patrons for the Jaguars game. Shout out to the Titans for taking care of business. Appreciate him. Shout out to that run. The, pre- one of the best runs of all time. That's true. We will always have that run. We will always be able it, to It doesn't back. really matter what happens the rest of the season. You had that. You think back like, hey, uh, maybe using a second-round pick on Derrick Henry wasn't smart, but hey, you, you have the, the 99-yard <laughs> run against the Jaguars. I'm glad we brought back that tractor Cedo name too. That's awesome. Well, it was nice to be able to get to use it. He hasn't yeah. really, uh, he hasn't really done anything to warrant that nickname lately. But he's running well. The Titans, you know, Seth was on location 
Yeah, Seth or Reed's Ranch. I enjoyed all the fantasy nerds uh, still being on Friday morning like, that was still a bad play. It's okay if you didn't play Derrick Henry. No, it's not. I mean, it's, it still sucks. It does suck, but there's no reason you probably should have been playing Derrick Henry. Like, I, I know, but like they, it's like all those guys are. They take it so seriously. I love. I feel attacked. I love fantasy. This is a football. personal I, attack. I feel. I feel. A little, <laughs> I feel a little attacked right now. I, d- okay. I didn't even consider Henry. So. Yeah, I mean, there's no reason to. Yeah. Like I said, he's been uh, he's been pretty much a non-factor. I saw a stat that said his career total yards. He has. 25% of them against the Jaguars. Yeah, probably probably just from that one game. I would say, I mean, I would say that's probably... Gotta be close. I'd say it's like 10% of his total yards. I wouldn't be surprised if that was 10% of his total yards. But yeah, 25% of them total uh, against the Jaguars. But appreciate all the patrons, including all the new ones and the old ones. We love you all. Patreon.com slash Reed's Ranch. We currently have Will's Show Me My Opponent, Gonzaga. Man, this was, the big, this was one of the main reasons I wanted to beat Kansas, was that you could feel... Like you had another one versus two matchup, right? Well, like, I was going to say this could have been the second coming of Memphis UT from two thousand eight. Yeah, and that's just what did, I, just in December instead of February, and that's what I hoped it was going to be, and that that's what would have been. I think that's where the polls would have fallen. You know, had Tennessee beaten Kansas, I know, I know that loss was fine for the resume, fine for Tennessee's future. You know, obviously it would have helped get a one seed. Maybe Tennessee's on the two line right now or three line. But but it's a long season. Long season, sure. And they have another chance against Gonzaga uh, this weekend. But this game would have felt so much bigger had it been one versus two. And I don't want to say it's been flying under the radar, but it feels like it's been flying under the radar locally, especially because of the, the dumbass offensive coordinator search. Right. We're, we're in day like 15 of it, it feels like. The, the goat search. It's never going to end. <laughs> it, I, I, I would be... I think it would actually be pretty funny if, uh, well, number one, you just chop off the upper deck of Neyland and uh, invest all of the money into basketball, and two, that Tennessee rolls into 2019 without an offensive coordinator. I think you're going to make some people mad by saying you want to chop off the upper deck. Invest uh, all money in Rick Barnes. I don't all I, money. I don't want to go that way. I, I think we can make both work. Well, like, yeah, I, I think we can make both work. I think you can get but back. G- given to- the choice. No, given the choice, we still want football to be good. But I'm I do think embrace debate. You're hearing okay. Let's embrace debate. You you want to be a full on basketball school? Yeah, why not? I mean, there are more games. That's true. There's more games, more opportunities to win. More games. It's way cooler to play in March Madness and go deep. We don't really have that feeling. Well, we don't know. I feel like if you make the playoff, it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's. I feel like if you make the playoff, it's pretty cool. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe it feels helpless because you're looking at. Maybe you're looking at it. Maybe Notre Dame's like, yeah, being in the playoffs cool, but yeah, Alabama's going to kick our ass. Maybe they don't care either. Yeah. But I think that I mean, March Madness is fun, though. I just think the, the idea of, of making it – well, one, I like that you don't have to wait four weeks between games, like from the conference championship to the sure. playoff. You roll out the very next week. Yeah. No layoff, and then, yeah, you, you play two games a week, ideally, for three weeks. Yeah. Play on that Monday night spot at like nine thirty Eastern or whatever. One versus two would have had this juiced up uh, nationally. Has it been a story of college basketball? Like, are they even talking about this game? Really, I haven't. No, I haven't seen it being on a Sunday. Obviously, takes away the chance of being 
Did they do a college basketball game day today? Like, where are they? No. no I, they, they wait until next week, I guess, They for usually that? wait until conference play starts. Okay, but okay. I, I would say, from what I've noticed, it hasn't really gotten a ton of coverage. I think it's it's kind of a shame because, obviously, it's still a top 10 versus top 10 game. But I think it hurts that it's in the middle of NFL Sunday, uh, getting closer to the playoffs there, too. And it hurts that it's a, you know, a mid-December game. College basketball just isn't in people's minds quite yet. Yeah. I mean, I'd say that's pretty fair. Being on an NFL Sunday is going to be tough, at least for me. That you know, the Titans have already played on Thursday, so I could focus more attention on on the basketball games. But even I'll be keeping an eye on on the AFC Wild Card race, so to speak. Like I'll, I'll right. be looking to see what the Colts and Texans are doing. I'll be waiting for the Broncos and 49ers, which seems like a really, really sad statement because no one's waiting for Broncos and 49ers. But but I'll be. I th- I think the other like four or five percent detractor here is that they're playing it in Phoenix, which has no relation to either school. I think had you played this like they did in years past in Seattle and Nashville, this that might have amped it up a little more because that way you have more of a home crowd and more of an invested crowd in the game. Neither Tennessee nor Gonzaga are really going to have a lot of fans traveling to Phoenix. I had thought about it. Mm-hmm. I had thought about it. I-, I wanted to make a week of it. I I had this road trip mapped out where. Uh, you know, the, I would have gone Thursday to the Titans Jaguars, flew out of Nashville into Phoenix, watched Tennessee play Gonzaga, and in my mind, I was going to take a road trip back, just drive back to Memphis mm-hmm. for Saturday's game, Memphis versus Tennessee. I was going to do a big road trip and then come home, you know, Sunday night and be ready to go. Yeah, that's obviously fallen through in large part because I couldn't find anybody really that was committed to doing it. <laughs> And B, the Titans kind of pissed me off, so me wanting to go to the Jaguars game wasn't as much of a thing. And then, yeah, like, maybe if it had been one versus two, I would have made my way out there. But it's one versus, what, six? Which is uh, still a huge game. Yeah, It's it's still good. Still a huge game, and, and Tennessee winning will val- validate them? Yeah, I mean, I, I, th- I think it already helps that Tennessee played, uh, you know, in everyone's minds, at least a top five team in Kansas to overtime. That that alone will at least somewhat validate the ranking. But people are still kind of waiting, and you can't blame them for Tennessee to win one of these big games. Well, did it feel because, you know, we're talking about how this Gonzaga game, I don't want to say it has snuck up on us, but how it's been on the back burner, it felt like that Tennessee-Kansas game was sort of on the back burner as well because you're going up against Duke and you're going up against Duke-Gonzaga. Right. So, did, like, the, did the country notice that Tennessee played Kansas to overtime and, quite frankly, should have won that game? Well, uh, one, it hurt it that that game didn't start until, if I remember correctly, 10 p.m. Eastern. Yeah. Which really sucks for anyone east of Nashville. Right. And, and two, I, I do think it got a little uh, juice removed from it, from how great G- Gonzaga Duke was. Because, like, I, you have to imagine it from a non-college basketball fan's perspective. You're probably, at this point in the year, only going to watch the the biggest games. And... Gonzaga and Duke are two of the five top programs in college basketball at this point. Yeah. It, obviously, you would pick that over you know a Tennessee team that maybe you know they were a three seed last year, but obviously they didn't go past the second round. So you don't really think of them in your mind as an elite program yet. There's a chance to make a statement uh, to a lot of people. What, what channel is this game on? ESPN? ESPN. Is ESPN picking it up? Okay, because, yeah. I mean, obviously CBS and Fox will be busy with uh, NFL. Mm-hmm. What do you think? It feels like Tennessee's played Gonzaga, a, I don't want to say a lot, but it feels like we've played Gonzaga a couple times recently, like in 
Have we beaten them? I don't feel like we've ever. Have we ever beaten Gonzaga? We beat Gonzaga in 2007 in a, a preseason tournament, but they've okay. Uh, Gonzaga has beaten Tennessee four straight times. Obviously, okay. if you remember, in Barnes' first two years, they played Gonzaga at neutral sites and lost both. Right. Well, quote neutral sites, but and, and the one in Nashville was sort of kind of close, if I remember correctly. Is that is that right? Was the yeah. Well, that well that was the surprise one because I. If I remember correctly, Gonzaga ran out to about a 15-point lead early, and then Tennessee rushed all the way back, kind of held it close until the very end against a Gonzaga team that went on to the national title game. Okay. So it's not it's not as if in none of these games has Tennessee gotten blown out. They just haven't been there at the end. Gonzaga's always you know I made the I, shots when it mattered. I feel like I remember the one in Nashville being like hovering around like a seven to eight point game, and Tennessee could never just get in within like seven or eight points. Right. I might be thinking of the first. Uh, of these neutral site games, but regardless. Yeah. So, Tennessee's played Gonzaga four times since then? Uh, yeah, f- well, five total. Gonzaga's four and one against Tennessee. Okay. And it's all in the last 12 years. I remember when they came to Knoxville and killed us. Yeah. That was frustrating. Well, that, well, before that, that same season, Tennessee played them in a preseason tournament and, and had, lost to them. And had lost to them, too, and then they came and beat us again. Yeah. So, we just haven't had any luck against Gonzaga. No. <laughs> we just haven't had any luck. If, if you want some more fun facts, Gonzaga, which is literally 18 miles from Idaho, has uh, been to the Elite Eight two times more than Tennessee. That fact's not very fun. And uh, to the Final Four one more time. All right, before we focus on Gonzaga, <laughs> let, let's take a snapshot on like where do you think this team is right now compared to where we had hoped they'd be at this point? Is this team as good as we thought they were going to be preseason? Like. One loss to Kansas, whatever, a good performance. And so, you know, really no other test. Louisville's okay. Like I Louisville's thought Louisville was a legit test. Yeah, they're, they're a basketball – they're a good – they're a solid basketball team. Like Chris Mack's a really good basketball coach, and I don't know if they're a tournament team, but it feels like they'll be on the fringe mm-hmm. somewhere. Like they'll, they'll be in the conversation. So, you know, Tennessee's only lost in overtime to Kansas. Lamonte Turner, been a little disappointing now to the point where they're talking about, you know, shoulder injury. Well, I've, been, I've kind of been waiting for, uh, and it might have to be me if I have enough time in my hands, but a, a power T-tape type guy to analyze his shot and show what I feel like I've been seeing, which is that the arc on his shot is significantly higher than it was last season, and he's if, overcompensating. Yeah, it felt that way earlier in the year. Like It felt like he was just shooting it to the moon. Right, and, and very Scotty Hobson-esque. And, you, you know... You know, maybe film would reveal that to be true or not, but regardless, you can pretty easily say that he's not been kind of what people had hoped he would be this year. He played really good against. He he was the one who really played good against Louisville, though. Like he, he, he right, he came off the bench to kind of he made some he made a pair of very important threes in that game that helped Tennessee motor away. But, yeah, but out, but outside of that, hasn't hasn't given much. He. I mean, you've gotten more from John Fulkerson than you have Lamonte Turner, which is not how people thought it would go. And quite frankly, not how Tennessee can be successful, I don't, I don't think. Right. Like, like Tennessee, what, my, my biggest concern about the basketball team was the outside shooting. Mm-hmm. Which is still a big concern so far. Like Admiral, Admiral seems to be camping around the three-point line more. I know he didn't in the early part of the season against like the Scrubs, but but since we've gotten two important games, it seems like now he kind of just wants to hang out and shoot threes. And I don't know if it's 
the NBA scouts telling him, hey, you need to really show that you can be a consistent three-point shooter. Because, I mean, he was a 39% three-point shooter last year. Like he, had, right. he, he he's, showed, he's a good outside shooter. Yeah, he showed that he could shoot. See, well, I, I guess for my overall impression of the team so far, it's been about exactly what I expected, to be honest. There's still a, a consistent outside shooting away from taking a legitimate <laughs> leap as an offense to being a top-five team. Mm-hmm. But the defense is still really good. I thought the the only game that I've even been a little mildly alarmed with was, uh, you know, Louisiana Lafayette got a little bit of run in them inside, and Kansas, just by virtue of having a seven-footer, kind of did whatever they wanted with Alexander. But those Louisville threes, those were well-guarded. You can excuse those. Uh, They completely shut down Georgia Tech. They've done a good job of shutting down essentially every opponent on the schedule. And, uh, you know, even Kansas, Kansas barely hit any shots outside of the paint in that game. Yeah. So defensively, it's about the same as last year. Uh, And offensively, it kind of is, too, maybe a tiny bit better. But you can tell uh, the outside shooting needs to improve for this team to be what you'd hope. They've improved a lot in terms of interior efficiency, especially Grant Williams getting shots to the bucket. And Admiral, when he goes to the rim, has been really efficient. But you still see a lot of these just brutal uh, pull-up 15-footers from Jordan Bone that make my head separate from my shoulders. Jordan Bowden takes a lot of really dumb shots sometimes. And about the only guy you can kind of count on to hit these weird mid-range shots is Grant Williams. Are we shooting a lot of mid-range jump shots? I feel like they are. It's kind of, you know, I'd have to pull them up, but Tennessee, about 35% of their shots have come from three, which is a fine rate, though this year it's actually quite a bit below the national average. Um, they've taken a good amount of shots to the rim, about 35%, but about 30% of their shots are still coming from mid-range. Gonzaga, for instance, only 18% of their shots are mid-range shots. Yeah, I mean, like, obviously it's more prevalent in the NBA. Like, there's been, like, a full a full swing where it's layups and three-pointers. Like, that's what you want to be People are gravitating shooting. towards the Rockets model. Except, which, oddly enough, the Spurs are the only team who is shooting mid-range to long mid-range shots, and... It's crazy because it seems like Pop was actually ahead of the Rockets in terms of like, hey, we're going to space and try to shoot corner threes and we're going to try to bring in this three-point revolution. And then obviously the Rockets did that on steroids. But, yeah, like it's been strange that – I mean, I get it when your two best players are LaMarcus Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan that you're going to shoot mid-range jumpers, but the Spurs ranked dead last in, in threes and points at the rim. You don't right. want to be the team shooting the mid-range jumper. The Spurs obviously are struggling this year. I think they're like 12-14. and 14. And Tennessee, you said, shoots how many mid-range shots, whereas Gonzaga, the number one team in the country, shoots 18%. Yeah, about 30% of Tennessee's shots are mid-range. And, you know, like I said, you're normally pretty comfortable with that if that's a Grant Williams attempt because he's been hitting quite a bit of them. But Admiral has taken a few that were ill-advised. Bone takes a lot. Uh, Bowden has been pretty good, for the most part, about just shooting threes, but... I, I think the the complaint from some of the players and Barnes himself about how tentative Bowden has been this year is you can back that up easily statistically. Jordan Bowden, what, what's been going on with him? Like, a is the is the do we know for sure if the switch in the offensive or not the offensive? I got the offensive coordinator moment. The switch in the starting lineup is that something that's going to continue moving forward with Pons in the starting lineup? Maybe. Is he going to be starting tomorrow against Gonzaga? Seems like he makes I more think as sense of now. Yeah. yeah, it seems like he makes more sense against Gonzaga. Uh, Gonzaga, something I've noticed against them, I've watched a couple of their games, is that they're really long and athletic. Yeah, or really long. I don't know how athletic they are, but they're really long. 
Yeah, Pons it's a very bouncy team. Right. Pons can obviously... He's a better matchup for that defensively. I would say if you're starting Pons, in my opinion, you lose a tiny bit offensively because he still has not proven to be a consistent outside shooter, and he has oh, yeah. not hit a free throw yet this season, yeah. 0 for 5. But you know, with Bowden, you've still had those struggles from the outside anyway, though I was really encouraged that I think three separate times against uh, A&M Corpus Christi, he took it to the rim, which is he's built to do that. Pons can do that as well. It's just, can Barnes get that out of them? Is Jordan Bowden the most frustrating player on the team? Honestly, it's been Schofield for me so far. Because okay. you know what he's capable of, and you know what he proved last year that he could do. And I think he's taking generally good shots. Like, the threes he's taken are mostly open. He has, he's taken very few that you just scratch your head after. But he's, still, he's not quite as efficient at the rim as last year, and he's just 8 of 15 on free throws so far, which is surprising. Hold that thought. I want to thank our new sponsor here on the ranch, Healthy Bean Organic Coffee, for their support. The athletes, new best friend, pre-workout, post-workout, protein, packed with antioxidants, low-acid coffee. It's all natural and organic, anti-inflammatory for speedy muscle recovery. You go work out, you pop you some Healthy Bean Organic Coffee. You wake up in the morning, you're tired? Well, obviously, coffee, coffee, coffee. Healthy Bean Organic Coffee. It's health, not just healthy. It is the healthiest coffee on the damn planet. I already told you, antioxidants, protein, iron, fiber. It increases your endurance levels, your heart health, your brain function, and a lot more. HBO Coffee on Twitter, healthybeancoffee.com. Use the promo code RANCHGANG, capital R, capital G, one word, RANCHGANG, to let them know you heard about it here first. They'll throw you a small discount. Certified organic, healthy bean, organic coffee. All right, Will Warren, you're telling me that you're you're, you're most frustrated right now with Admiral Schofield. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, last year at this time I had this opinion, or I guess at the end of last season, I thought Admiral Schofield at times was Tennessee's best player, even ahead of Grant Williams. I think at the end of last year we all kind of felt that way. Be, well, and partially that was Grant Williams being playing hurt for the final month. Sure, but... Admiral, Admiral Admiral really stepped up. Yeah, he he, he became the go-to guy, and, and and like you said, Grant banged up, and you know in, in the NCAA tournament when Tennessee did need a bucket, it was still dump it down to Grant, let him get something in the post, and you know he had hit the game winner against um, Loyola Chicago before before they hit their you know yeah. ultimate game winner. But yeah, yeah, it seemed like Admiral had taken over the defensive side of the ball. Like you were the first person that kept pointing out to me, like, look, Admiral's the best defender on the team. He's guarding the best player. He's mm-hmm. the the numbers he's holding his opponent to is crazy. And then offensively, he made a step forward. You know, yeah. he, he and I, he and I still believe guy. he's the best defender. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Grant Williams has actually taken a big step forward for me this year, and I I feel pretty comfortable putting him in single coverage against Gonzaga's best player tomorrow. Uh, just because that's how the height matchup works best. But with that said, offensively, I, I, it's not the same Schofield as last year. You're you're still seeing a pretty good rate from three, 13 of 36 so far, about 36%. But it's not the rate he's shown the last two seasons, both at 39%. And he's taking a lot of those mid-range shots, as I mentioned. About, uh, yeah, 28 of his attempts so far have been from mid-range. Out of uh, 88 total. Is a part of that because Grant Williams just controls the block? Because you saw against Kansas when Grant Williams fouled out, then the game plan kind of went, okay, we're going to put Admiral in that same position. And then all of a sudden you're dumping the ball down to Admiral 
on the post. Is, is there just no room down there for him between Grant and Kyle Alexander? And I know obviously Kyle Alexander isn't a, a back-to-the-basket, dominate-the-post type of guy, but hmm. I don't want to say he's worthless, but he's useless pretty much outside of 15 feet, right? Like, that's just not his game. As of now. As of now. And maybe, you know... Uh, You'd he, like to see him take the three more. But. He's attempted a couple, and I, you know he hit a mid-range jumper against Louisville. So I mean, he does shoot them, but for the most part, he needs to be inside fourteen feet. Yeah. So maybe, maybe Admiral, that's just kind of all that's left for him is three-point and mid-range. Right, and th- this is why I did get excited that they they ran this out against either Kansas or Louisville for about two to three minutes. But and I would love to see this against uh, teams with uh, like seven footers at center. Tennessee has an all-shooter lineup they can run out when if Turner's healthy, where it's Bone, Turner, Schofield, uh, Williams, and Bowden, and you just put Williams as a small ball five, and it's a five out. Right, but does, you, you can't have a seven-footer guard on those. That opens up the paint very much so. What happens if what happens if Tennessee tries that tomorrow, though, against Gonzaga? Like, is Grant Williams at center something Tennessee can afford to try against a big team like Gonzaga, who is athletic, who... Who might still be able to to switch and guard like you know their their big man? Help me with his name, uh, Hachimura. Yeah, Hachimura. Like he's not he's not like Kansas's big man. He's not like right. Azubuke who who is you know you can exploit in pick and rolls or you can try to draw outside the basket. Uh, the, well, I would say you could you can exploit uh, Hachimura in pick and rolls. But okay, but not 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 in, in terms of uh, not to the same extent as as Azubuki. I guess and, I was just he, trying to he, say he moves better. Yeah, a he lot can, better. He can cover out to twenty five feet, right. no problem. Okay, now getting going a, laterally is a little bit different, sure, and like yeah. uh, around picks, sure. There's but. this very specific scenario I'd like to see it in where. So Gonzaga only goes about seven deep, mm-hmm. barring severe foul trouble. If they do have foul trouble, they may go to eight or nine, but they really don't like doing it because there's a steep drop-off in quality. They have this backup center, uh, Philippe Petrushev, who's 6'11", and he does not move all that well outside of the paint. He will shoot threes, but he's just slow. Now, on plays like that, I would love to see uh, teams go or Tennessee go five out and force Petrushev to cover the uh, perimeter so that Tennessee can drive inside and kick and just do that for a couple minutes. Now, Gonzaga would love to play Hachimura all 40 minutes. They'd love to play their two guards, uh, Perkins and um, Norvell, uh, 40 minutes. They probably can't just for rest purposes and for foul purposes, especially because Gonzaga's center, Brandon Clark, he's hit four fouls in four of their nine games so far. He hasn't fouled out yet, but he's gotten real close. Right. So Tennessee can exploit that. It's just, will they? Well, what's Tennessee's method here? Because I watched Gonzaga play Arizona. I made the mistake of only watching Gonzaga play Arizona in the first half. And Arizona was up, I believe, nine at halftime or something like that. And, uh, you know, I wake up and, and Gonzaga won going away. They won by like 14 or 15 points, if I'm not mistaken. Right. So I didn't get to see Gonzaga at their best. And then I watched them against Duke, and they played a really good game and bothered Gonzaga by throwing some zone looks at them and not just letting Duke's one-on-one players go one-on-one with them. However, in that Duke game, is it kind of what you're saying with them only going seven deep and they ran out of gas towards the end? Because yeah. that, that game felt like if there was 30 more seconds in it, Duke was going to win. Like right. Gonzaga, Gonzaga really went the last like eight minutes without scoring so was that a lack of depth, or was that maybe more so like the tournament situation where they'd been playing 
games like the day before and necessarily weren't rested. Like, I mean, they weren't as rested, but again, that affects you if you only go seven deep, no matter where you're at. Does it affect you in a one game scenario though? Like, yeah. I, I, I get the Absolutely. idea of it. I, I get the idea of it affecting you, like maybe in the tournament when you play Thursday, Saturday, right? And like you don't have as much rest. But I'm imagining Gonzaga. When was their game last game this week? Uh, they played Wednesday. Yeah, so I mean, they got Thursday, Friday, Saturday to rest. So that feels like depth in a one-game sample. Maybe not something Tennessee can rely on. Uh, well, I, I I understand that, but you got to look at when when you watch that Gonzaga Duke game again, you you notice that Duke didn't shoot well. They they missed forty one shots in that game. Yeah, they almost won because they got twenty two offensive rebounds. Gonzaga's well, bigs were exhausted by the end of the okay. game, and Duke got board after board after board and just kept going to the rim. Well, Duke also has much better athletes than Gonzaga and Tennessee. Well, sure, but that's the path forward for me. Is Duke had three separate players have ten or more attempts at the rim. Mm-hmm. That's in, that's incredible. Sure, but I mean Zion Williamson and R.J. Barrett are different. A Better, different, sure. different types of guys who could get to the rim. Whereas, I mean, Jordan Bone can get to the rim, sure, and and Grant Williams can get those shots, but they're not going to be the same type of rim shots. Like yeah, with Grant, and, and I'm not be... saying I'm not saying Tennessee's going to get 22 offensive rebounds in this game, but Gonzaga has not quite been the same level of elite on the defensive boards that they've been in years past, and they already don't force many turnovers on defense. They've pretty regularly ranked below average under Mark Few in that. Uh, they're they're pretty content to force you to take outside shots. So, and, and with that tight lineup they have, that's why I think Tennessee should be going to the rim a lot tomorrow. Because if you can get a couple early fouls on Clark, that forces them into the scenario of either having to play Clark with two fouls or playing the significantly lesser backup who can't cover you out to the perimeter. And that's where Tennessee had success against Kansas. Was right. they were able to draw early fouls on Azubuki and. and and that was I was really encouraged by you know Barnes had a great comment after the game about how his guards didn't drive to the hoop and they didn't, but you saw Admiral Schofield do it, you saw Grant Williams do it, you even saw Alexander do it, and that is to me what's Tennessee's most successful way of coming out with a win in this game, and obviously forcing Gonzaga into shots they don't want to take, which. Gonzaga has the best offense in college basketball this year. Yeah, number one right now. You'd rather have them take threes than twos just because it's a lower percentage shot. Where's Tennessee's defense ranked this year? They are currently 12th. Okay. Which is about where they were last year. 353 teams. That's really good. And that's, I mean, that's about where they were last year, right? I mean, well, the thing is, they have uh, almost the exact same adjusted efficiency in defense as last year. Okay. It's just that teams on offense have been less efficient uh, this year than they were last year. So okay. there's more teams with better defensive efficiencies. Okay. Did you say you, Tennessee needs to force them to shoot more threes than twos? Is that what you said? I would rather them do that because that's that's a higher variance shot. At the rim, most teams are going to hit uh, the majority of their shots. You'd rather force Gonzaga further out to me. I'd, I'd like to force them into more of those mid-range shots. I'd like to right, get but them... when they're But when they're not taking them at all... You, I mean, no. There's Gonzaga has three very good shooters mm-hmm. as from point guard to shooting guard to small forward and Norvell Perkins and Kispert, but none of them hit more than thirty nine percent of the threes. They're Admiral Schofields. Okay, and you you obviously you like when Schofield shoots, but you would also rather have a shot at the rim that's higher percentage. That's my that's my point. Is you know, I'd rather obviously you should be shooting threes in general because they're a uh, better for points per possession. Yeah, but that, 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 that's what surprised me about it because 
seems like, you know, especially with the way Tennessee's kind of defended the three-point line, that either A, they should be a strong closing out and, and forcing, them, forcing them off the three-point line. I don't know. It just seemed weird to hear you say that because I would think that the more threes Gonzaga shot, the better. But maybe not with their big guys, I guess. Maybe maybe you'd rather right. have well, a guy I, shooting I would a three than... I would much rather have Hachimura out on the perimeter than down low, you know, going at Alexander Williams. Okay. And same for Clark, who has gotten really good at... Uh, he, I think he's hit 80% of his shots at the rim this year. Especially, you know, with Tennessee and, and you saw against, against Kansas, Grant Williams fouled out and Tennessee wasn't the same, right? Like Tennessee right. is a completely different team without Grant Williams. So so maybe in that respect is we need to see if Grant Williams can play a big game in the post against good post players right. now, without fouling. And, and and if Tennessee's able to do that without fouling and has quality interior defense, then, you know, fine, let Gonzaga take whatever shot they want from uh, inside the perimeter. But until you see that against one of these elite teams, like – Kansas converted 25 of 43 shots from two against Tennessee. Mm-hmm. That was why they stayed in it as long as they did, and they got to the free throw line a lot. If Tennessee can resolve even one of those two, tomorrow will go better because Tennessee was excellent on the perimeter against Kansas. Let's get to some patron questions. Patreon.com slash Reed's Ranch if you want to join. I just put up a college football confidence pool pick for patrons. To get the password, obviously, just check the Patreon. Uh, $20. Got, I think, six people already signed up, so hopefully that gets a little bit higher uh, before the season. All money will go to the prize pool. but I'll sign up for you. Yeah, prize pool, pick them. Uh, that, that's on the Patreon right now. Uh, first question comes from STW01. While there's a lot of time left for Grant Williams to play at UT, do you think he could be our Peyton Manning of basketball? Beloved here for both his play and actions in the community while here. I mean, sure. I think he's the most. You know, I don't want to misspeak here out of you know, fear for a people kind of calling like, you idiots. Yeah, that or like forgetting about Chris Lofton in that sense, mm-hmm. or Jawan or Chisholm or any of those guys. But I have a feeling he's a the most lovable and b the most beloved uh, player Tennessee has had at least in my lifetime. Chris Lofton is to me the only guy that can even be in that same realm. Yeah, and I don't know. It doesn't seem like Lofton, and you know, obviously social media coverage was different in, in 2006 than it is in 2018. Mm-hmm. But it, it does seem like Williams is 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 better set to be an ambassador. Yeah. Now, granted, I, I think Williams is going to face some of the problems that Lofton had in terms of his professional basketball career. If he goes that way, is probably not going to be in the NBA, right? right. He's, I mean, he's just not that well suited for it. Right. But. So, so, so when you're comparing to Peyton Manning, obviously Peyton's a, was able to go to a different level because he was great. Yeah. At the next level and continued to be great and continue to stay in the in, in the limelight. But I do think Grant does a lot of the right things off the off the court. Right. Like it, it seems like yeah. he ha- has his head squarely on his shoulders and, and wants to be a good role model. So I would see him kind of being more involved with Tennessee than, than Lofton's been, you know, more along the lines of, of Peyton kind of showing up at basketball games and, yeah. you know, st- sticking around the program or, or at least becoming visible once or twice a year. Yeah. 
I think it's a sense of being college good versus NBA good, too. Because yeah. obviously he's not going to be the best NBA player Tennessee's ever had. But I think in terms of his college output, he could be the best player Tennessee's ever had. Yeah, sure. I mean, he's already got one SEC Player of the Year under his belt as a sophomore. Yeah, maybe another one on the way as a junior, and then you know. And I know, like, we're only seven games in, but uh, as of last night, he's still in the top five for the year so far in Ken Palm's Player of the Year rating. Right, like he's going to be a legitimate All American candidate. And then would most likely, like ninety five percent likely, be back his senior year with the chance to do it again and yeah, and surpass what Lofton did, just because obviously Lofton had the the subpar senior year because he was battling testicular cancer, which no yeah. one knew about at the time. But, you know, if Grant stays healthy, then I think he could, like you said, become uh, the best player since, what, Bernard King? Yeah. I think the other, the last interesting qualifier in this for me is when when do we see the Grant Williams signature moment happen? Because, like, so far he just has the second-round visit. There's no SEC title. I know the regular season title, of course, but – that that was kind of the regular what, season title. You remember Admiral shot against Georgia. Yeah, so you you kind of wait for that signature. It's like it's like the Heisman moment, but just for Tennessee basketball. Could have been against Loyola, but yeah. then they, you know he had, he had that game winner stolen. Um, obviously, having a good performance in the tournament gives you more of uh, those opportunities. Right. Lofton's would be what his shot against Texas. Texas. Yeah, that's the easy one, and the Winthrop shot, and the too. Winthrop shot. Those are the two that come to my mind. Mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe we'll see something like that from Grant Williams on, on Sunday, which takes us into our next question from Cody Conrad. It says, a win tomorrow would be the biggest regular season win since when? Memphis 08, mm. Kansas 2010. I still say Kansas 2010. Memphis 2008 probably meant more at the time, and, but that, that 2010 one, it was just so cathartic after all the garbage about, yeah, you come in there with six scholarship players, four of them suspended. You just so kicked- wait, you're taking 2010 Kansas over 08 Memphis? Yeah, for me personally. I okay. know a lot of people won't agree. But yeah, no, this I, is, I, I'm one of those people who do not agree. That's okay. I, I respect. I respect that. But for it's it was just such a cathartic win of you come in there, no one is giving you a chance. At least at Memphis, people are like, yeah, Tennessee has a legitimate chance of winning this game. You went in there believing you would do it. Kansas, I don't even know if Tennessee basketball fans thought there was a real chance Yeah, there. I mean, you were allowed on Renato Woolridge, too. Hit yeah, a couple, it, like, it, he hit like he four hit three threes, threes or something yeah. like that, yeah. But, I, I mean, either one is fine. Regardless, it's probably the biggest win in, yeah, eight to ten years. It's a signature win going forward. A win tomorrow is bigger than Kentucky last year in Kentucky? Yeah, I think so. Just because this is a much better Gonzaga team than that Kentucky team was. I think I, I think many people would probably say last year's game at, at Kentucky. Bigger, mm. than, bigger than Sunday. Non-conference. Yeah. You know, we, we kind of started the podcast saying this game doesn't feel like it has the sizzle that it should. Yeah. Now, if if Tennessee was obviously number two in the country and came out of this game ranked number one, obviously that would change things. But that was that the game at Kentucky last year. That was the second game of the series, right? So it locked up your your sweep of them in the regular season. And you know Tennessee hasn't done that very often at all. They don't win in in Lexington very often at all. I I do think it's that, and it's like you have to. I guess for me, I always struggle with. conflating the idea of how good was the team you beat versus how important was the win. Yeah. Because obviously it means more on face value to beat Kentucky than Gonzaga or Kansas. But all of those teams were better than last year's Kentucky team. Appreciate uh, Cody for sending that question in. My answer would be Kentucky of last year. Okay. This this one feels more comparable to that than it does the Kansas 
or the Memphis game. Hmm. Yeah, it kind of needs to be later in the season for it to be quite that for me, I guess. Do you prefer eggnog or boiled custard? Ugh, Uncommon God. fan wants to know. God, neither. Yeah, same. Uh, John Glass wants to know, uh, prepare for the white death tomorrow. Are we supposed to be getting snow tomorrow? Like a little bit. I mean, here it's white death, but oh God. it's probably going to be half an inch, maybe. So well, that's an official projection is half of an inch. Schools will get out. We'll be at Hobson Hollers. Come watch the game with us. Um, this is posed for Seth, but I'll give you the option to to break down what is going on in France. Do you have any breakdown of what's going on in France? Uh, we need another 45 minutes for that. That's a really fascinating story. I would love to do a separate podcast with Seth. On just France. about just you and Seth talk about France, yeah, and the, I sit here French and listen. Boys. Yeah, okay. Well, you can offer in your con. You just I don't like have any. I, I'm I'm not worried about what's going on in France. I am worried about the uh, the new tech Cold War. That's what I'm worried about. Yeah, with the whole Hawaii thing, or however you pronounce it, okay. Huawei or uh, what is it? What is it? The the Chinese smartphone manufacturer, the number like uh, okay. past Apple. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. You see yeah, where yeah. the CFO got arrested? Yeah, that was The crazy. owner's daughter. We're, we're on the verge of a tech cold war, okay? I'm just saying China, we're trying to stop them from becoming the the number, you know, the number one tech country in the world. We're trying to hold them off. Well, it's it's like the holy war, but it's just like guys in checkered shirts at job fairs who leave their dorm room twice a year. I don't know what the hell that means, but okay. You're talking about just like the tech war? Yeah, that's the type of people fighting in that. We got tariffs on the country. We're trying to stop that. I mean, it seems like uh, seems like things got heated. Seems yeah. like things are heating up. I, that's more what I'm worried about. France, I'm not worried about France. I don't even know what the hell's going on in France. I just saw that they had made a guillotine. Yeah, with uh, whose name on it? Was it their pro- Was it their like Macron? Yeah, who who is that? Is that like the, their the prime minister. Yeah. Prime minister. That's what I was thinking. Uh, also for Seth, but you can answer if you want. <laughs> uh, Anti commie Gator wants to know your uh, Seth's. Top three Turnpike Troubadour songs. Do you have top three that you'd like oh, to give? Number one, Far and Away, uh, Seven and Seven. That song rules. Seven and Seven is number one. I'd have to think about the others, but that that one is a clear number one for me. Well, do you want to think about the other two? I'd need to run on Spotify to check that, but Seven and Seven is the one I've listened to like 40, 50 times. Okay. Esco Valls wants to know, if Lamonte is out on Sunday, how much does that hurt or help our chances against Gonzaga? Tiny bit. I think... Uh, it, it Tiny help, bit. Yeah, helps just or hurts? Hurts. Okay. Because like that does shorten the rotation, and you can't really play more than seven guys. You're also relying on, in that scenario, probably Pons and Fulkerson to both play, what, 18, 19 minutes? Just in assorted positions. Maybe bring Jalen Johnson out of the cobwebs. Mm. Derek Walker. Yeah, I'm a little Honestly, dis- Brad Woodson's shot looks pretty good. A dis- little bit disappointed <laughs> with the lack of uh, development we've seen so far from Derek Walker. Yeah, I uh, did not expect him to play so little this year. At what what time do we turn the uh, give DJ Burns a chance? I'm fine with redshirting him this year, but if it it gets is that supposed to be the plan right now? Is to redshirt him if it gets to January and you're not getting anything at all from Walker, you have to at least consider it. Trying to let him get in better shape, I guess. Yeah, well, I mean, he came to UT at what 270 pounds, something like that. So uh, pretty, looked, pretty heavy for he what looked, Barnes likes to run. Yeah, he looked bigger than that to me. Because there's just like there's a lot of off ball movement in the motion offense, mm-hmm. and you kind of you can't really have a 280 pound guy uh, blowing his way through defenders on that at a two miles an hour. Caleb asks who the MVP is at this point: Pons or Williams? I gotta go with Williams. Williams right? easily. Yeah. Why? Why Pons? I don't know. 
defensively, maybe I guess. I think I think he's the most improved. I think yeah yeah. I, if it's, I, I, if I it's MIP, if you, yeah. Most improved or like X factor, like who can maybe take the team to the next level? I'd say okay, I'll listen to Pons then. But MVP, yeah. no. But but Pons, I think brings some athleticism that was you know really lacking last year. Yeah. Well, especially uh, I think he's gotten a lot better defensively this year because. Last year he got lost on several oh, yeah, possessions yeah. when he was in there. He was he was filling out the game. He was a puppy dog. He was watching yeah. the ball. Like he was not watching his man. He'd get distracted watching the ball. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Hudson wants to know Shout if Jordan to Ryan wants to know if Jordan Bone has taken the leap. Close. I need him to shoot better from three. He's six of twenty five on the year from three. That's not the leap to me, but I like his assertiveness this year. He's he's taking he's stepping into shots a lot better. Is what I'm getting. at. He seems more confident. Yeah. And that's good. Tennessee needs that from a guard going forward. I would imagine that Jordan Bone, uh, at least the the ideal, the ideal scenario for him. What I would like to have heard is that he spent all offseason thinking about missing that shot against Chicago. Yeah, like hey, I had the chance to win the game and I missed it. That that fueled me all offseason. A to get to the rim more and B to to hit my mid range shots. Mm-hmm. Roman asked if we have any plans of a ranch gathering for SEC tournament. Uh, yeah, we'll do something. We'll do something. There, there's no current plans. It's back in Nashville, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're we gonna go. Maybe. I guess it depends on how the season shakes out. But yeah, we'll do something. Yeah, that's that's. I haven't even thought of it. I forgot. I, mean, I guess I knew that it moved back to Nashville. But man, I'm just trying to get through football season, and now here we are. Uh, I haven't thought of it, Roman. But we'll do something for the SEC tournament. We'll yeah. do something. Come up with something fun. Especially if Tennessee, maybe not on Thursday or Friday, but if Tennessee makes it to Saturday or Sunday, we'll do something. Yeah. Tucker Kennedy wants us to compare this team to the Elite Eight team. How do they stack mm-hmm. up against one another? I don't know. I Because if you remember, that that team was not that good in conference play, from my memory. They had the, they had the win over Kentucky and they had the win over Kansas, but in between... I remember a really bad loss to Georgia where they went on the road and just got their asses beaten. Uh, they lost to USC by 20-something. They, 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 were, they, they were 11-5 in conference. But they, they had a lot of really crappy outings that year. And so this year, to me, this team is just much more consistent. I don't think they've played a bad game yet. You could say the first eight or so minute, minutes against AM and uh, Corpus Christi were bad. Yeah, but I mean, if, you, if, you, if you look, they, like you said, they lost by 22... At USC, 15 at Georgia. I'd forgotten uh, they got swept by Vandy. Lost by nine at home to Vanderbilt. 19 at Vanderbilt. And then they double digit losses at Kentucky, at Florida. They're they're a little lucky to even make the Sweet 16 because San Diego State played them really well in that first round game. The SEC tournament. Yeah, the 29 point loss. Got beat 74 to 45. I, d- I think this team is better now in terms in terms of likable fun leaders. It is pretty much just Grant Williams right now, and you could make the argument of if he's charismatic or not, as Chisholm was, or oh, who, no. or Grant, who the JP Prince is. Grant's but. not charismatic. This team lacks the personality. Yeah, I think that's what he. That seems to me like what they're getting at of who's the JP Prince, that, who's, that the, elite, that who's el- the Brian Williams. Yeah, that, that Elite Eight run did uh, seem. It was very fun. Seemed fortunate. San Diego State, that'd be Kawhi's team, right? Like Kawhi yeah. was on that team. He was was he young on that team? I think he was a freshman. Yeah. You win that game by three. Ohio had knocked out Georgetown to clear the path for you, so you're able to beat down Ohio. Yeah. And that course, that Ohio State team was just Evan Turner. They only went six deep. Yeah, and then of course you beat Ohio State and 
and came so close against Michigan State. It's wild that that team probably could have been a final, probably should have been a Final Four team. Yeah. But I, I, I think this team has a higher ceiling. Higher ceiling just in terms of how good they are versus the rest of the country, or higher ceiling yeah, in the tournament. That I mean, okay. this this is probably... it's, it's hard to get higher in the tournament than one point away from a Final Four. Obviously, right. I mean, you could make the Final Four, but I mean, I mean, in terms of just overall play, this is a better team to me. They're they're more consistent, and I'm not as worried about them going out and barfing up a 25 point loss to, you know, like South Carolina or someone. That team had senior leadership. Like that was a veteran college team, you know. That was senior Bobby May, senior Wayne Chisholm. Yeah, four of the five starters were seniors. Senior JP Prince. Who was the other senior I'm missing? That was a starter. Oh well, I guess it was it was Tyler Smith, but then it would have been three out of five seniors. Well, they didn't have him listed on the on the roster. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I guess people he, forget how good Tyler Smith was. Oh no, was. yeah, no, I, I love Tyler Smith. He's just not listed on the Wikipedia roster. They have yeah. they have whitewashed him from the. <laughs> From the season, he's blacklisted from uh, Tennessee basketball history. So you had your three seniors, and then even your you know your next two guys were were juniors, right? Right. Well, I guess Brian was Hobson a starter on that team. I think by year's end he was. Okay, so he, he was a sophomore, and you had Brian Williams Jr., Josh Bone Jr., Stephen Pearl <laughs> Jr., and, and I guess one of the most elite free throw missers in program history. So that was a veteran team. Obviously, we remember that team fondly. Yeah. Uh, they had the they had the signature win, and you know so far that's what Tennessee's looking for yeah. this year. Tomorrow can be that, but I, I think a lot of people need to see it to believe it. Tennessee should, to every, in everyone's eyes, be at worst a top ten team, but top ten teams have to beat other top ten teams from time to time, and Tennessee needs to accomplish that. It is wild to consider that even as a top ten team, Tennessee, you know. Could be a three seed, which is what they were last year, right? So, like, right. you could. I'd say they're on track for that as of now. Yeah. All right. Check out uh, Will's write up if you're a patron. It's got video breakdown of a lot of the stuff we talked about. Uh, did you have a score prediction on your Show Me My Opponent? Uh, Gonzaga 81, Tennessee 78. So, you think Gonzaga wins by three? Yeah. It's, it's a coin flip game, and I need to see Tennessee win one of these coin flip games against a big team. Curious to see what the crowd looks like tomorrow. I don't, I, just, know, I, don't, I don't. I don't know anyone personally. I don't know anyone personally going to Phoenix. Right. Well, it's just, and you know, maybe this is different in real life, but I can't imagine Phoenix being a hotbed of Gonzaga or Tennessee alumni. I guess before we go, I need to give a couple thoughts on the offensive coordinator search. I've had some people asking that. Uh, Eric asked, "Do you think Pruitt Wood will concede his offensive line coach to bring in Browns and Browns's guy?" And will an up-tempo offense hurt Pruitt's defense in the short term until we get in some better players on both sides? That second question is a good CFB matrix question. Yeah, I mean, is Browse's offense really fast? I mean, because I know yeah. his, I know his spread is built more on the ground than through the air. Did you watch Houston at all this year? No, it was pretty. I similar. watched him play like Memphis, but it was a little bit like a sped up version of the the two good Tom Herman teams, uh-huh. where it was that they had the elite running quarterback who could kind of do it all, and mm-hmm. uh, but they they were I was always really impressed of how many chances Houston took downfield which I thought was sorely needed in the Tennessee offense this year. And, you know, regardless of who you hire, whether it's Bryles or uh, the Oklahoma State offensive coordinator, who I really do not know how to pronounce the last name, Mm -hmm. uh, either one of those guys is going to be a massive improvement in terms of taking uh, downfield shots. And I think if if the holdup really is Will Friend, at some point you just got to get rid of your buddy. 
Well, I mean that that'd be a that'd be really problematic. I think that would be the worst thing Jeremy Pruitt's done during his time here is oh, if he far and away. is if he protects Will Friend. Yeah, and and, and, and Will Friend's feelings to sacrifice what I think's the best young offensive mind in the game. Like you could argue yeah. about the Baylor stuff and whether or not Tennessee should be going down that road and uh, dealing with the morality issues, but offensively, like on the field, Kendall Bras is better than Hugh Freeze in my opinion, and he's better than anybody Tennessee's linked to. Mm-hmm. Or anyone who's available, right? I mean, in, in terms of on the field, he's the best uh, available candidate. I'm okay with keeping Will Friend on staff. I'm because, okay because I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it feels like Tennessee's going to jettison some other assistant coach anyway. Well, I think everything's pointing to uh, Chris Winky going yeah. to Maryland with Loxley, and the thought I Good. think was that Niedermeyer Moose yeah. takes his place on the staff as kind of a reward for his recruiting and kind of you know sticking with with Pruitt, but. Yeah. I don't know what else the staff looks like or you know what the numbers are. I know you don't have a quarterback's coach right now, so obviously you'd hope Kendall would be that guy that would work with your quarterbacks. And um, It'd be the worst thing Pruitt's done so far, though, if he lets Kendall Bras go, and it seems it's because he wouldn't make room on his staff for, for Bras as run game coordinator because Bras knows how to run the damn ball. Yeah. And that's something we don't know if Tennessee knows how to do with Will Friend, right? Like, well, the, well, the thing is, well, not only that, it's the, the worst unit on this team's on this team uh, this year was the offensive line, and whether that, whether you want to blame that entirely on Butch Jones and his recruiting, or how much you want to blame on Will Friend and Pruitt themselves, or Tyson Helton, that's up to you. But the point being, that was the worst unit, and I don't really see the sense in protecting the guy who oversaw the worst unit. Sure. And that, I mean, he, he, we know that's your best friend. We know you went to college together. We know this and that. But yeah, like just optically, it's offensive line sucks. Offensive line sucks for one reason or the other. Protecting that offensive line coach probably not going to help. Now I do wonder. I do. I do wonder. Like at what point it feels like there's too many eyes on the offensive line. Like if yeah. if friend stays on staff and they bring is it Clement or Clements. I think Clement. Okay. Clement or Clements. I don't know if there's an S or not, but it doesn't matter, whatever. If you bring him and now you have another out of the offensive line, and then you have heavy. We yeah, mm-hmm. Phil Fulmer lurking around the program, working with the uh, offensive always, line. Always there. Yeah, like he, he's constantly there wanting to help with the offensive line. So like now you got another set of eyes. At these practices, he's like those uh browser ads you can't get rid of. Right. He even just keeps popping block. up. He's he keeps popping up. Just keeps popping up. I, I mean the the argument about off field stuff is best left to people smarter than me, uh, who know more about it. But in terms of on field hires, I think r- almost anyone you pick out of the the ones that have been rumored that I know of, Bryles, uh, Mike Y at Oklahoma State, and then for some reason this weird dark horse Jim Cheney candidacy keeps popping up whenever I read about it. Any of those guys are going to be a lot better than Tyson Helton. So I think no matter what, you're going to get an improvement, but it also is dependent on how much of the control is Pruitt willing to concede to this new offensive coordinator. Well, you would, you, you would, you would think that Pruitt is fine letting an offensive guy run the offense, right? You would hope. Like, that, that seems, you know, apparently now Kendall Brawls is interviewing at Florida State. Like, if I'm Kendall Brawls, I'm like, okay, I could go to Florida State and I got an offensive guy who's going to want to – sort of have his own ideas about offense, right? Like Willie Taggart is an offensive coach and that's what that's yeah. where Willie Taggart's gotten new jobs from is because of his offense, right? Like that's yeah. that's his that's his thing. And then you have Jeremy Pruitt where you hope 
well, okay, he's a defensive guy. He's got he's got the defense. I'll run the offense. I'll have uh, freedom to do that. Yeah. And you hope that would be the tiebreaker because Tennessee is like the only school, at least the only Power Five school that is is appealing or has the money or the resources or feels like it could be elite. Uh, Florida State's the only one with a worse offensive line than Tennessee. Yes, if if you got to watch them at all this year, that it would have blown you away. Yeah, so if, if you're Kendall Bras and you pop on the tape and I'll, okay, let me see what let me see what I would have at Tennessee to work with. Okay, Drew Richmond and, and maybe Traceman. Maybe we don't even know if he's going to play, but okay, now we got um, you know Wanya Morris. That guy's good. Maybe yeah. you get maybe you get Darnell Wright. Okay, now let me look at Florida State. And, oh my God. Yeah. Like De- De- DeAndre Francois was refusing help up. From his offensive line after getting sacked, like it seems like Florida State's the one school in Tennessee situation that actually has a worse offensive line than Tennessee does. Right. Uh, we we really cannot understate uh, the importance of this hire too. That this is massively important to Tennessee's future and Pruitt's future. You think so? I, I've gone back and forth on it. Uh, I I just think if you if you blow this hire and you hire I don't know. Uh, some loser from UCF who's the quarterback coach or whatever, uh, at that point you're sort of conceding you're not even a top 15 school going forward. You don't make top 15 hires. I, that's what impressed me most about Mississippi State this year is you don't think of them as being an elite school, obviously. It's Mississippi State. But you know after they hired Moorhead, who I thought was a fine enough hire, they went on and hired Bob Shoup, who you know, the only time Bob Shoup has been bad is when he's been with Butch Jones. Bob Shoup was unemployed, though. It's not like they went and hired Bob Shoup away from somebody else. I, he, I know, but that, he that's was a, unemployed. That's the type of hire a great school makes. Like you go out and you you understand a, a career's worth of results, and you understand what they do with the talent they're given. Kendall Bryles would be an elite hire in that sense, and to some extent, so would be the the Oklahoma State hire would be very good too. You know, promoting Will Friend would be disastrous. Well. I... Everyone is, uh, you know, Volquest is all over saying like it's not going to be a promotion from within. Like that, that, that that's, sure, but but that's even sell. even even keeping him on staff and giving him added responsibilities that aren't play calling to me is bad. Okay. You need to limit. If you have identified the worst coach in your program, and to me it looks like friend from afar, you need to limit his responsibilities as much as possible. Allowing him to oversee the development of the offensive line going forward is like just bringing back Don Mahoney a second time. And that was whenever people realized, like, hey, Butch Jones sucks is whenever, you know, like whenever it came time for him to hire somebody, for the most yeah. part. It was a uninspired hire. Yeah, you can't somebody, have another DeBoard or another Larry Scott. It was somebody well in a comfort zone that you felt like, hey, they're going to do what we want, and hey, I'm, I'm, I'm still in control here. We're not going to get uncomfortable. Uh, you know, Jerry Pruitt being willing to go out there and hire a Kendall Bros and say, hey, you're going to run this. Yeah. I don't know you. We haven't worked together. It's not like we have any ties in Alabama, blah, blah, blah. Like, here, I'm trusting you. You're a sharp mind. Go get it done. And, and for me, why it's so important is the low end of top 15 teams over the last four years, So because Tennessee's, without a fail, been at least in the top 15 of recruiting pretty much every season. Mm-hmm. The low end of those teams average a little over eight and a half wins a year. It's about 35 wins over four years, regular season alone, it, taking bowls out of it. You're only at five through year one. F- to be playing to the talent you have, Pruitt needs to pick up 30 wins in the next three years. <laughs> That's why it's so important to me is it, if, you're not, if you're only getting to you know, 29, 30, 31, we're probably just looking at another higher in four years from now. 
three years from now, whenever. That's that's why I feel like you. This is a hire that cannot be blown. All right, real quick, what do you what do you? I mean, you are you are the uh, the leader of the Shiano protest. You are the <laughs> the leader of the of putting it together to go rally. Accidentally hiring Kendall Browse would do what like for you? Are you okay with it? Uh. Well, part of it, obviously, and you know, people have to kind of admit to this now, is part of it was Shiano was just a bad coach. I, I've made it very clear from the get go that I did not want Shiano as a coach. Like Shiano yeah. sucks. Shiano is a bad person, but he's also a bad coach. He has the Penn State stuff tied to him, but like that's not his only slip up. Not only like for resume wise, that's not his only slip up for passing a character test for me. Like, and the, and the difference in those situations to me is. Shiano, you know, both of them have varying levels of involvement in their own failures mm-hmm. as uh, in terms of moral failures. Mm-hmm. But with Shiano, you saw like he wasn't good at it. Bryles is probably a bad person with bad morals as far as we can tell, but he happens to be an elite coach as an offensive coordinator. And I, I, I do it, think it, it just comes down to the winning versus, you know, being proud of who you are deal. And it, you know, for everyone who wants to go back to the 90s, Tennessee was not the most moral program in the 1990s. Sure. Or the 2000s, or pretty much any time before, I don't know, 2010. Probably after, even. <laughs> but, it, like, it, it obviously, if there was another coach of that level or slightly below without the baggage, I'd I'd welcome them 100 times out of 100 over Bryles. Like, if... If Mike Wyatt at Oklahoma State was on that level, or even I cannot believe Neil Brown was even mentioned, but if he was willing to come to Tennessee, I'd take him over Bryles just to leave the baggage uh, part out of it. Well, I think it's funny. Like we're gonna get we're gonna get shit for it. Well, yeah. The I mean, we're gonna we've get gotten shit for it. it. We've gotten for we've gotten it from every direction from the national media for fifteen plus years. Yeah, I'm not worried about it. They're going to do what they can to take shots at us because we react and because they think we're dumb hillbillies. That's fine. Um, at no point did any of them bring that up and really try to hammer it home whenever they were praising Lane Kiffin last year and turning yeah. him into like some Twitter darling and and I, I said that to Paul Feinbaum's producer and he didn't respond about like, you know, he's trying to take shots at Tennessee fans. Okay, well where were you at whenever you were making rat poison jokes with Kiffin last year and and having him on to talk and when Feinbaum was suggesting he takes the Tennessee job, like where were you at questioning him for hiring Kendall Bras? Or where was the national vitriol at when Houston hired Kendall Bras? Sure. My, my thing is, and this is almost across the board outside of Jason Kersey from The Athletic, who did come here and interview people. Uh-huh. All of the people in the national media that shit on Tennessee left and right and are, are ruthless in their uh, attempts to paint the fan base as this with a, these large brushstrokes – None of them have come here. None of them have tried to talk to people. None of them have done anything beyond rely on the old industry connections they have and rely on what they see on Twitter. They don't see the humans behind it. They don't see what people in real life think about it. They don't come here and try and understand the culture. They try and do it from afar. It's flyover journalism where people come in from these coastal cities and you know gawk at the people of East Tennessee without, can... without trying to you know lay any empathy to them. Well, they could suck my dick. Those are my words, not Will Warren's words. They could suck my dick. Yeah. And uh, I broke the Hugh, Free new- Hugh Freeze news. They could suck my dick on that one, too. Hey, you got credit for it, though. Shout out to Big Chris Sort Crystal. of. Chris Lowe got uh, abused into giving you credit. I know. 
Chris Lowe <laughs> didn't go and uh, fix it in his ESPN story. Like it was ESPN.com story. It still said football scoop. Maybe I should have been okay. a, a tad bit more aggressive because I had the, the contract details uh, to go along with it. I was just trying to uh, get it out there without the people. Who, the person who told me was really close to Hugh Freeze, and uh, they would have known. They didn't really want me putting it all out there, so I was trying to break it without really, like, uh, I guess, pointing any fingers towards uh, who told me. And ruining trust. But either way, we got it done. So the the national media, uh, they got scooped by a big John Reed. They can suck mm-hmm. my dick. And they don't John know. John Reed's words, not mine. John Reed's words. I'll put my name to it. And if I ever see Pat Ford at SEC Media Days, I'll give him a knuckle sandwich if he wants one. Only if he wants one. I'm not like going to I'm not gonna go like, uh, the, assault the, him. It'll, we'll, have to, we'll have to agree to fight. The only SEC Media Days thing I ever want to happen is for you to be with in the same bathroom as Butch again. That's the dream. Just just to see his I face. I don't think they're ever going to let Butch go back into the SEC Media Days. Fingers crossed one day. I don't think they're ever going to let that happen. All right, Will, appreciate you making time. We're over an hour into this. Come see us. Uh, come drink with us at Hops and Hollers tomorrow if you're listening to this. And shout out to be a patron if you like Will's coverage. Every week moving forward, at least in conference play, probably not for Memphis, but uh, it, once conference play starts in 2019, every Saturday, uh, at least by Saturday, we will have up a kind of a check-in with Tennessee's basketball, where they're at through the week, and their opponent that day. Will's going to put up a weekend, show me my opponent, every Saturday for Tennessee's opponents. So if you like mm-hmm. the content, support the brand, patreon.com slash Reed's Ranch. Gyrate plus on Twitter, Gyrate stats on Twitter. Uh, will appreciate the time. We'll have Seth back on either you know tomorrow or Monday or something. He was Christmas shopping. All right, y'all have a good uh, good day, and hopefully Tennessee beats Gonzaga, and hopefully Will Warren is a stupid idiot for predicting Gonzaga eighty one to seventy eight. Hopefully you look like a big stupid idiot, Will. I would accept it. I'd be fine with that. All right, peace.